episode 251 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to talk slate specifics, what the Vegas lines are telling us about this week from an NFL perspective. We're going to talk some chalk, the cash game lineup construction, tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots joey how you doing entering week four the uh the quarter point of the nfl season i'm doing good ready to uh break down this slate and try and win all the money back that we've lost so far hey i've only i've only had one losing week so far i lost in week one still uh got some some slight uh edges in in the (laughs) following two weeks and this week i mean i'm not gonna lie i have a really good feeling about this week i think this might be the week so let's get right into it and start off with some notes from Vegas. This is a 12-game main slate on DraftKings with nine games early and three games in the afternoon. I'm going to be honest, this slate is pretty disgusting, right? We have one game with a total above 50. That is Buffalo at Baltimore. In my opinion, very easily the best game on the slate. I think it'll be the most popular to stack for DFS by a wide margin and, and for good reasons. It just stands out from a total perspective. Six out of the 12 games on the slate have a total below 43. And then even the higher total games, in my opinion, have a lot of letdown potential built into them just based off the fact that they consist of bad teams. You know, Browns versus Falcons and Lions for Seahawks, the second and third highest total games on the slate, respectively. Both of those seem pretty sus to me. The top five implied team totals on the slate, Buffalo 27.25, Philly 26.75, Detroit 26.25, Cleveland 25.5, and, and Green Bay 25.25. Joey, what is standing out to you from a Vegas perspective this week? Yeah, I mean... You pretty much covered it all. Uh, I have the same thoughts. I think this is very reminiscent of the week two slate, just a little bit uglier. Uh, There's a lot of matchups that I think just aren't good from a fantasy perspective and from a real life perspective. It's going to be interesting to see how these ownerships and these lineups shake out on a relatively tight DraftKings week as we saw last week. And I think it is a little bit tighter this week. So we we got some digging to do and we got to find the best place possible. Yeah, and and starting off here at the quarterback position, I think that the best plays are are very obvious and and they're at the top of the player pool. Once again, at quarterback, Josh Allen, the highest priced, 8,400, Lamar Jackson, 8,300, and Jalen Hurts, 8,200, I think are going to command a vast majority of the ownership on this slate. Yeah, and rightfully so, right? Lamar and Josh Allen are in the best game environment on the entire slate. As you referenced, they have the highest totaled game out of all of these games, although it has been bet down three points, which is pretty interesting. But nonetheless, three these three quarterbacks have been the best fantasy football quarterbacks over the first month of the season I don't expect that to stop in either of these matchups for these three quarterbacks and I think that it's really your choice since they're all relatively close I think I would just prefer playing Hurts at home against Jacksonville you're getting you know a hundred a two hundred dollar discount on Lamar and Josh Allen, but the salaries are close enough to where you can legitimately just pick whichever one of these guys that you want, and you're probably going to get 30 plus points out of out of any of these quarterbacks so it's close I think I would just roll with Hurts take a little salary savings there on a relatively tight slate especially for cash games you you could realistically just play 
whomever out of these three. I, I agree. I mean, for me, my first initial instinct was to rank it Allen, Hertz, Lamar. And then I thought back to last week when I said on our live stream that out of all the top tier guys that I thought were the clear plays on the week, Lamar was the one that I had the most interest in fading just because I, I thought game environment in New England wasn't going to be that good. And of course, Lamar goes on to drop his second 40 spot in two weeks and just just terrible uh, on my part fading him there. And this is an even better game environment, I think, with more shootout potential, albeit a much tougher defense with the Buffalo Bills still dealing with some secondary issues. However, so I mean, I think that all three of these guys are really strong plays. I want to play all three of them in tournaments. I think you're picking from these three guys in cash. And frankly, the paydown options on this slate really just aren't that appealing to me. Are there other directions that you're considering going in tournaments? And if so, I'm interested to hear what they are because the the rest of the quarterback pool looks pretty barren to me. Yeah, it's not a great quarterback slate. It's definitely not as good as it was last week. I mean, you have your mid-range guys like Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, not too interested in any of those guys. For tournaments, I think Herbert is interesting at 7,100 against Houston. But other than that, I think I'm going to have a relatively condensed quarterback pool this week. I truly just have no interest in playing these cheap guys especially with the top guys in such good spots and specifically for large field tournaments the winners are paying up at quarterback more frequently than the rest of the field so I kind of want to stick with that trend which has shown over the last few years that you know paying up at quarterback is the right strategy uh, specifically for those large field tournaments that I like to play in yeah that makes a ton of sense and for that reason and just for the reason that even in large field stuff quarterback tends to get spread out quite a bit like I think that makes it even better because these guys will be less owned than they will in smaller field stuff which is what I tend to play in Uh, I agree with everything you said I just don't have that much interest in guys like Wilson and Rodgers especially Rodgers in such a negative game script for him to hit his ceiling they're favored by 10 points I think it's a run heavy game for sure and we'll talk about that when we get to running back Herbert is the one name that I do have interest in outside of the top three you mentioned him and it just seems it's a great matchup against Houston he should be another week healthier he reportedly suffered no setbacks in that week three game although the results weren't pretty buying a Justin Herbert bounce back at a you know 1k discount to these quarterbacks in a good spot seems like it's a solid move in GPPs but truthfully I could see myself you know when Sunday rolls around having four quarterbacks in my player pool for tournaments and it being the top three and Justin Herbert I think I'm right there with you I think Herbert is definitely the tournament play at quarterback. It's a great spot for Justin Herbert this week. It's a great spot for the Chargers team in general after, you know, a massive letdown against the Jags at home. Houston just gets obliterated on defense. You know, they're giving up over 400 total yards on defense. It's a good spot for Herbert. It's a good spot for the skill position players. So Herbert at 4% seems like a very, very good tournament play. And I I think he is the guy that you kind of want to look to in those large field tournaments and get some ownership leverage on the top guys. Yep. Also, don't think any of his pass catchers will be owned. Keenan Allen should be back at practice this week. That is something to keep an eye on. Might be able to get that Chargers double at extreme low ownership. We'll see how that plays out and touch on that again on the Saturday night, late night live stream. Make sure you check that out. 10 p.m. Eastern every single week of the NFL season. Joey, the running back position. 
It's Jamal Williams chalk week. How do we feel about that? 6,100. DeAndre Swift reportedly would need to see the skies open up to play this week per Dan Campbell. Swift is going to be out. Jamal Williams is going to be in everybody's cash game lineups and very heavily owned in tournaments as well. I think from a cash game perspective, Jamal Williams is definitely a rock solid option this week. He has the goal line role in this Detroit offense. He'll have touch upside. It's a good total game, you know, pre-lock. It's one of the highest total games on the slate. The Lions have one of the highest implied team totals as home favorites against the Seahawks, and it is a good matchup for Jamal Williams. He's averaging 15.7 touches on the year so far, and at 6,100, he just is the perfect fit for the cash game construction this week, so everybody will be playing him. I'm definitely inclined to fade Jamal Williams in tournaments for sure, just with some of the options that are around him. I think that this Lions offense could potentially crater in the spot with some of the injuries that they have to Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, DJ Chark is also dealing with a little bit of an injury. So depending on how the injury news shakes up, this could be a spot to fade the Lions and Jared Goff and just ultimately fade Jamal Williams in tournaments for some of the running backs that he is in the same range as, such as, you know, James Conner, James Robinson, Javante Williams, Cordero Patterson are are some options to pivot to in tournaments. Yeah, this situation with Jamal Williams to me is very reminiscent of last week with David Montgomery and Leonard Fournette. And I think that I'll be playing it the same exact way. You know, don't think twice about it in cash and in tournaments don't have him in a single lineup, you know, hashtag easy game. Because while the floor is definitely there for, for Jamal, I think the ceiling is also intriguing. I think, you know, if we were comparing Jamal this week to DeMont and Fournette last week, I think Jamal would be a better play, all things considered, because his red zone usage is elite. He's got the third most attempts inside the 20, the most inside the 10, and the second most inside the 5. So he's a good bet to at least score a touchdown, but I think that the Lions total is too high. You know, I bet they're under on 26.5 as a team total today. Uh, No Swift, uh, ASB, not a full go, could miss this game. And last year, in the two games that Jamal Williams played without DeAndre Swift. He went 19 for 77 with zero targets uh, on 42% of the snaps and had 11 for 22 with three receptions on 32% of the snaps against Seattle. Like they did not make this man a workhorse in the absence of Swift. They they got the other running backs involved. We could see Craig Reynolds be involved in this game. That wouldn't shock me at all. So I, th- I think there's a lot of paths to failure for Jamal in tournaments workload wise and just team environment wise as you referenced. So Easy fade, full fade in tournaments as far as I'm concerned, and a lock in cash. Yeah, I think like, you know, we all we always say like this player's a lock in cash, but an easy fade in tournaments. That question that makes me really question whether or not they are a lock in cash. I, I think that that's something that obviously we have to take into account uh jamal williams last week yeah only played 45 percent of the snaps with deandre swift there so i wouldn't expect that to increase much but yeah that's definitely i want to take something into consideration is uh if a player is such an easy fade in tournaments then why are we locking them in cash you know that's yeah that's a, that's a conversation i have to have with myself if i if i want to fade jamal Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair for sure. Something that we can digest and think about, maybe touch on again on the Saturday night, late night live stream, Joey's secondary chalk at the running back position. I, I want to preface this with saying we are recording obviously early in the week. And I think that this more so than any other week so far this season is going to have a lot of late injury news and things that could mm-hmm. shift the slate. One of which 
could be at the running back position. David Montgomery exited in week three, midway through the game, letting way for Khalil Herbert to absolutely smash. David Montgomery missed practice on Wednesday, and Khalil Herbert is priced at 5,700. I think if DeMont misses, Khalil Herbert would be right up there with Jamal as the top RB in terms of ownership on the slate. Yeah, for sure. And maybe it's a little bit of recency bias in t- in terms of how high-owned he'd be. DeMont obviously went out with injury early in that game. Last week against the Texans, Khalil Herbert comes in, has 24 touches, 160 plus yards, and multiple touchdowns, puts up a career game, a better game than David Montgomery has ever had. And it's only right that he's chalked the next week. Right. So so we're kind of speculating what he did in terms of last week when this is a new week. This is still one of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, led by one of the worst coaching staffs, most likely in the NFL. There's a lot of ways that Herbert fails in the spot if David Montgomery is out. There's just a lot of inherent risk, in my opinion, with Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert. But these are going to be the two highest owned running backs in cash if David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift are ruled out. And like you said, this is going to be a week where there where there is a ton of late news. Uh, so everybody has to pay attention to that and make the adjustments accordingly. But yeah, locking in a Bears and Lions running back in cash does not feel great, in my opinion. It doesn't at all. And then like you look at some of the other running backs that are going to be chalky, which is why to me, this is again, setting up for a really good, strong tournament week. Why I feel good about this week in tournaments, because the people that it appears at least that the field is gravitating to are just on a lot of bad teams. The guys that we've mentioned, Saquon Barkley priced all the way up now to 8k is the RB one overall in fantasy, but still another offense that could crater. I think at any moment, Damian Pierce, I think is going to come in at secondary chalk on a Texans team that we already discussed is in shambles priced in that same range as Khalil Herbert 5600 and I don't know man like a lot of inherent risk with these teams in general for running back let's say that you know David Montgomery plays and Khalil Herbert isn't an option where do you think that you're going to be going in cash outside of Jamal yeah I think I personally would go up to Saquon Mm. just because this is a player that most of the time can overcome the risk of the offense cratering you know he's top of the NFL in created yards he really just has to put the team on his back and he's obviously very good he's involved in the passing game so I think I'd be more inclined to run Saquon and Jamal Williams as my two running backs and then go four wide receivers but nonetheless it's still a four wide receiver week um some other running backs that I think will have ownership is definitely Damian Pierce at 5600 if Khalil Herbert is not available to us very similar situations touch projections probably very similar he's a hundred dollars cheaper at home but in a worse matchup than Khalil Herbert and there's a lot of risk with the Texans offense as we've seen uh they are just bad yeah so this is not a great week in my opinion for a running back and I think a lot of people are just going to lock these guys in and assume that you know they become full-on workhorses and you know they should they should see opportunity but I still think there's still a ton of risk there's a lot of ways that these plays fail so in cash I'll probably have to just eat the chalk and, and play these guys but in tournaments I'll I'll full fade all of these chalky low ceiling players in my opinion yeah um I, I could definitely see that the one guy that I do like in this group that I think I could see myself playing in tournaments is Damian Pierce and you know I've just mentioned with Justin Herbert that I think it's a good spot to buy a bounce back on the Chargers, but I think it's also in the range that, you know, they are rushing Justin Herbert back right now. Um, and, and maybe the Texans do 
have at least a competitive game in them here. I don't think that Damian Pierce is necessarily without a ceiling game in his range. He is top five in rush attempts inside the 20, the 10, and the five, despite playing no more than 62% of snaps in any game yet this season. And his usage is only going to go up. Like they, they've committed to him at this point. They're not going back to Burkhead. So I do like Damian Pierce at least a little bit. Chargers gave up 145 rushing yards to James Robinson and Travis Etienne last week. So, I mean, I think there are outs for Damian Pierce this week, but yeah, by no means like a rock solid play by any stretch. Uh, Anybody else for cash games that you want to mention? No, I think that as it stands right now, early in the week, those are really the only cash game running backs I will consider. There's a ton of plays in tournaments that I love this week. I like Javante Williams at 6,600. I think that this should be a nice bounce back spot against this Raiders defense. You know, he's seen minimum four targets in every game as 21 targets on the year, uh, 15 plus touches in every game, 6,600 kind of fits in that price range of running backs you want to be considering in tournaments so far this year. I also love Austin Eckler. There were some reports saying how they need to get him more involved in the offense. I don't think he's going to be as high owned as some of the other running backs on this slate. He's 7,700. He's going to become in lower owned than Saquon Barkley. Get you a nice piece of one of the best offenses in the NFL and has a ton of touchdown upside in a matchup against the Texans where they've given up over 200 rushing yards per game through the first three weeks, which is about 50 more yards than the second closest team. So Houston gets obliterated on the ground. This is a great spot for Austin Eckler and the Chargers offense in general. So I love just targeting uh, the Chargers on this slate. Yeah, great call on Austin Eckler. He is a phenomenal GPP play this week. I definitely want to have a lot of exposure to Eckler. I've got two running backs that I'm super interested in, but I will save them for the tournament strategy portion of the show. Sticking with the chalk and the cash game construction at wide receiver, once again, I think the top of the pool is going to draw a lot of interest. Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown above 7K are going to be massively popular and rightfully so. Yeah, they're just two of the you know highest targeted players in the league so far this year, right? Stefan Diggs has a 26.1% target share. AJ Brown is top five in the NFL with a 31.6% target share. Their upsides are extremely high. The game environments are two of the best on the slate. So I think that Diggs and A.J. Brown are definitely going to be two of the chalkiest wide receivers on this slate. Now, can you play them both in cash? I'm not sure as it stands right now. Uh, Like I referenced, it is a pretty tight slate and we're kind of strapped for cash. So it's going to be interesting to see if we can make some lineups with Diggs at 84 and A.J. Brown at 7,400, both in there. If I had to pick one, obviously I would prefer Diggs, but you do get $1,000 in savings from A.J. Brown, which might come in handy. So I think I would be comfortable playing AJ Brown and, and not playing dicks if it came down to it. Is it that's not at all recency bias, right? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I mean, Baltimore's still dealing with a lot of issues in their secondary. Diggs is rock solid. I do agree with you though that I mean if it if it comes down to it, my goal right now is to find some value and be able to play both, but that just may not be possible. And and I could see why you would yeah. lean AJ Brown in this if, spot for sure. If I need the if I need the thousand, I'd I'd feel comfortable knowing that I'm still getting a 30-plus percent target share and and a high-ceiling wide receiver out of A.J. Brown. Yeah, So that's why I would be comfortable not playing Diggs if I had A.J. Brown in my lineup. Yep, I think that is fair. You know, we started at the top, but the most owned, or at least projected at this point early in the week to be the most owned wide receiver on DraftKings is C.D. Lamb at 6,700. How do you feel about C.D. in this spot? The target's have been rock solid, the production not so much. Yeah, I mean, 
Two back-to-back games with 15-plus DraftKings points. It's obviously good, but it's not great. 22 points last week. That was actually a pretty good game. At 6,700, he's third in the NFL in target share, actually, above you know, A.J. Brown, Diggs, Amon Ra, some of these other guys, 11-plus targets in all three games, even with Cooper Rush. It's a good spot at home against one of the worst pass defenses so far to start the season in Washington. They are 28th in terms of passing yards allowed, and they are 28th in passing DVOA to start the season. So I definitely don't mind CeeDee Lamb. We obviously know he's a talented player, and he does have some issues. He doesn't score a ton of touchdowns, which sucks, but you're going going to get guaranteed opportunity out of CD Lamb and that's kind of just what we expected prior to the season. We we knew he was going to be a target monster in this offense and at 6700, I, I think you're probably going to get the most targets out of him compared to the rest of the players in this range. You are. I do wonder sometimes about maybe quality of targets. Like Christian Kirk to me is a very comparable play at 6600. Uh you know, you're getting a $100 discount. CD has seven more targets than Christian Kirk, but Christian Kirk, he has eight more targets than CD in the red zone and has been able to capitalize more in scoring position, sets up well this week for a positive game script for Christian Kirk as pretty heavy road dogs, you know, against Philly in a good game environment. So, I mean... I don't know. I I don't think that CD is like a rock solid play or like a significantly better play than somebody like Christian Kirk or Cortland Sutton even, or, you know, maybe even some of the guys that you go down that we'll talk about in a minute here in the, in the mid range. I I could see myself fading CD lamb in cash this week, especially like I said, with the guys below, and then, you know, even just trying to prioritize to fit in both Diggs and Brown, because if if that's the route that you go, you won't be playing CD. So I don't know. I'm pretty off, I think, on CD this week. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think from a process standpoint, it's probably bad to be off him just because the opportunity is going to be there. He is 1,700 less than Stephon Diggs, and you're getting, you know, as it stands right now, a better target share. Obviously, quality of targets significantly worse, and just the overall upside of the offense is worse. But on in terms of the context of the slate, you might not be able to play Diggs and A.J. Brown. And that 1700 will make a significant difference. So if it allows you to get some more ceiling to make up for the difference of digs to, you know, CD Lamb or, or whatever, I, I think it's fine. But yeah, I think it's probably bad process to, to fade CD Lamb this week. Um, you know, in cash and in tournaments. Well, in tournaments, it would be an ownership play because I don't think his ceiling is significantly higher than some of the other players in that range that will be way less owned. And I, I don't know, I would I would suggest you maybe you know, play around with some lineup builds because, I, you know, Diggs and AJ aren't out of reach this week if we're not paying over 6-1 at running back and we're punting tight end and finding a cheap defense. Like, you can, you can definitely make it work. Yeah, you can make it work, but you're probably going with two cheap wide receivers instead of, like, instead of AJ Brown, CD Lamb, and then another high-owned player such as, like, Drake London or Tyler Lockett. You're probably playing those two guys with two punts rather than, like, four mid-range guys. Yeah, and... You know, some of this, I think, will, again, come down to what we see happen with injuries throughout the week. You know, the Lions, especially, are a team, I think, that are pretty interesting injury-wise. We already know Swift, very, very unlikely to play. Amon Ross St. Brown, I would say, is 50-50 at best chart dealing with an injury josh reynolds mispractice like you know this could be full-blown khalif raymond 3100 type week but 
that is a play that we'll talk about if it actually opens up. No need to speculate. Now, some of the guys that you just mentioned, you know, Drake London, Tyler Lockett, I think Brandon Cooks in that sort of bucket as well will definitely be owned in cash for the people who are not on team Diggs Brown and more so in that CD range. So where where are you looking in this mid-range of wide receiver that stands out to you for cash games? Yeah, I think that the, the mid-range is loaded with opportunity. You have Deontay Johnson at 6K, who is fourth in the NFL in target share as it stands right now with a 32% target share. Obviously, quality of targets isn't great, but nonetheless, uh, in cash games, you are prioritizing opportunity, or at least I am. Drake London is also right up there. He's top six in the NFL in terms of target share, averaging 8.3 targets per game. So you're getting an insane target share out of them and one of the you know, best game environments from a total perspective. You have Brandon Cooks, who's obviously going to see opportunity. Uh, he has a 27% target share through three weeks. So a lot of these guys, you are going to get opportunity. You could definitely be swayed one way or another based on game environment and based on quarterback play and team situation. So I kind of don't necessarily love these guys based on that. But from a process standpoint, and if you're, you know, looking for upside in terms of targets, and just overall opportunity and what fits. I think you're probably playing one of these guys in the mid-range, in, in my opinion, this week. Yeah, we, we can flush this out a little bit more as the week comes on. I'm, I'm really, I think, on the opposite side of it with you in terms of what I think, like valuing game environment and team scoring potential over like just these raw target numbers because yeah like they look great with Deontay Johnson you said he was what fourth in the league in target share but he still hasn't put up a game with more than 16.4 points like the offense is so bad and like you could say the same thing about Dallas like Dallas is you know what third in points per game Seattle is fourth and we're gonna eat Tyler Lockett chalk like the Steelers are only scoring 18 points a game the Texans 16.3 and we're gonna play Brandon Cook's chalk like I I don't know. All this, all, all of that is very uninspiring to me personally. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're weighing results too much. I think that as long as the opportunity is there, the results will most likely follow, even with potential bad game environments and team environments. I don't think I'm valuing results too much. It, it's the the team. It, the I team mean, environments you, you, aren't going to change. Like, like it's if still you Cooper see Rush a six, and Geno if you Smith. see a six K wide receiver. Who's, who's had 12, 10, and 11 targets, like, he's a good play in cash. He's a, he's, a, he's a good play from an opportunity standpoint on a full PPR site. But you just said you, you're not going to play him because he hasn't scored more than 16 points. Yeah, but I'm saying that the scoring environment of the teams themselves are, that's not results-based. I mean, you're taking the results into consideration, but the res, like it, it, they're still going to be catching passes, CD from Cooper Rush, Tyler from Geno Smith, you know, the Texan situation, Davis Mills, not good. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think these team environments are results-based. They're just expectations-based based on the teams themselves. Yeah, but to be fair there's not a lot of good quarterbacks on the slate and good wide receivers catching passes from those good quarterbacks so everything is just slate dependent everything is a week by week basis and on this week specifically we have a ton of wide receivers who have great opportunity shares but aren't on good teams that's pretty much every wide receiver on the slate in my opinion sure so i mean so do you think like say tournament wise or how willing are you going to be to you know fade these guys whose target numbers are going to be like astronomically projecting better than you know players with worse target shares on better teams i.e gabe davis 
is at 6,600. You're sacrificing a lot in target expectation to go down 100, but I think he's a, a higher ceiling play than CD in that game environment. And you could say the same for guys like Devontae Smith and Rashad Bateman, who are priced both below that Lockett, Deontay, and Cooks tier. Yeah, I guess it's just how much do you value like projections and ceiling projections specifically? Because like CD Lamb is going to project better from a floor and a ceiling perspective, you know, just based on that opportunity. So it, it, it's... It, it's a tough it's a tough situation. I think that a lot of these guys are just going to come in with like 7 to 10% ownership and a lot of it is going to come down who gets the ball the most who sees the most targets on this slate and I think it is relatively an ugly week so on a week like this I kind of just do want to jam in opportunity and hope that you know my players get their based off opportunity just because there are a lot of shitty game environments but like Gabe Davis specifically is is a good tournament play and his ceiling is very comparable to you know those other guys around him but you know specifically like he's one of the only ones you know if we take a look at the at the prices like Terry McLaurin is catching passes from Carson Wentz, Amari Cooper from Jacoby Brissett, Drake London from Mariota, Tyler Lockett from Geno Smith, DK Metcalf from Geno Smith, Cooks from Davis Mills, you know, like just just a lot of bad quarterback situations all around. So I'm not taking that into account too much in terms of this slate and allowing it to sway my decisions in terms of these wide receivers. DJ Moore, any interest there? I mean, he he should be the poster boy of uh, fading bad quarterback and bad team environment at 5,300, you know, a player of his caliber stands out a lot but the production and the numbers have just been god awful to start the year three catches three catches one catch six targets and three consecutive games it's just so ugly for dj Moore, but the price is good yeah i mean dj Moore kind of stood out to me looking at the prices originally for sure i think he is too talented of a player to be this cheap but then again he's only seen six targets in any game so far this year hasn't really shown much in baker mayfield uh, i wonder who said all offseason that baker mayfield is barely an upgrade on sam darnold shout out to whoever said that on this podcast multiple times um was that, because he's not was that me are you are you shouting me out or no it's not me uh somebody else uh, i don't i don't think you were the one to say that <laughs> and this this panthers offense just right now isn't good but the price does stand out i don't think he's going to be chalk but i think he could get steamed a little bit as a as a buy low uh tournament guy this week yeah because i mean he's the guy that he's like a guy that touts love you know you know, people love DJ Moore. Fantasy Twitter yeah, loves DJ yeah, Moore. They're going to exactly. see 5,300 and he's he's going to get touted. I could see him getting steamed for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. So some of the cheap wide receivers that I think we may be considering in cash, Zay Jones, 4,200 coming off of a game that I would be careful to chase 10 catches for 85 yards. That's a career high in receptions for Zay. I don't think that's going to be an every week occurrence. Matt Collins, 4,200. Hunter Renfro missed again, obviously hit the stone nuts in his results last week for Matt Collins, eight for 158 and one, but will remain in every snap player, regardless of Hunter Renfro and the targets would remain consolidated if he missed. So not like a terrible play, I don't think. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's sort of it. I, for the cheap uh, cheap range, maybe Richie James pending Giants wide receiver news. Kadarius Tony and Wondell Robinson both missed practice today on Wednesday. Yeah, I think Richie, uh, Matt Collins, if Hunter Renfro is out once again, and Zay Jones are going to be the pay down wide receivers this week. You know, I don't really have a lean right now. Early in the week on which one I prefer, 
but those are definitely going to be the chalkiest guys. And then maybe you can include like a, a Romeo Dubs at 4,700. Maybe we'll see what happens with Jacoby Myers this week. You'll get Devontae Parker at 4,600. Or Romeo Dubs is 4,500, excuse me. So yeah, one of, one of those guys should catch some ownership for sure in cash games. And if I had to guess, it's probably Richie James right now. Yeah, I, I could definitely see Richie James catching some ownership. Also, like I mentioned earlier, keep an eye on the status of Detroit Lions wide receivers. I think depending on who they get back and at what, what price range, one of those guys could get steamed to chalk, whether it's Josh Reynolds at 4,600 or Khalif Raymond at 3,100. Mm-hmm. Any other wide receivers that we're considering for cash? No, I think we pretty much covered all the cash game wide receivers this week. I think there's a lot, so definitely something to keep track of as the week goes on. Yep, at the tight end position, again, going to be in a situation, I think, where we're looking to save salary, as is the standard. So where are you looking at tight end this week in cash games early in the week? The players that stood out to me when looking at the salary uh, for the first time was Tyler Conklin and David Njoku. Uh, Tyler Conklin is like a top of the league in terms of tight ends and routes ran and targets to start the year. Just kind of don't know how this Jets offense is going to run with Zach Wilson now slated back to be starting in this game. And Tyler Conklin had target games of 7-9 and 8 with Joe Flacco. So don't know how much that is going to change. I don't think we could trust it. David Njoku in one of the best game environments on the slate from a Vegas perspective at 3,700 looks okay. I think people are going to play Evan Ingram at 3,400. He's obviously not good at football, so I don't love it. And then I think the pay down option that people might consider is Daniel Bellinger for the Giants. He had five targets in that Monday night game against Dallas, went four for 40. And with some of the injuries to the Giants pass catchers, obviously Sterling Shepard towards ACL, Kenny Galladay is total fucking dust at this point and Kadarius Tony and Wandale Robinson are probably going to be out for this game Daniel Bellinger should have a nice solid pass game role in this week four matchup against the Bears at home so I don't mind him uh, but if I play Bellinger I'm not playing Richie James in in cash obviously so yeah, I mean, if we're talking Richie James, Bellinger, and Saquon, like you, I, I, I just, I don't know who the priority is going to be, but we're not going to be wanting three Giants uh, in cash. Yeah, I'll, I'll play one Giant max. Yeah, that seems like a pretty solid way to go about things. Conklin, I don't trust either with Wilson back. I wouldn't touch a single jet on this slate yeah and joku's the one who stood out to me at 3700 i i think that they're gonna make it a point to keep him heavily involved in this offense i don't think that you know 10 targets like he saw in that thursday night football game is the expectation but this is one of the highest total the second highest total game on the slate cleveland with a 25 and a half implied team total so he's interesting i like dawson knox and again this is sort of like the same conversation we just had at wide receiver where like the target share you're giving up a lot to go up 100 to Dawson Knox off of guys like Njoku but you know I I just think the scoring opportunity in that game could be extremely high and that's really what you're looking for I think in tournaments and especially if you're going to be playing Josh Allen Knox makes a lot of sense as a correlated low-owned piece but yeah other than that I don't know tight end is extremely weak this week it's extremely weak every week Ben shit's terrible position (laughs) just try and pay as least amount of money that you can every single week in terms of cash at the tight end position is my overall advice Yep, that makes 
quite a bit of sense to me. Let's talk tournament strategy, leverage, stacks, and long shots. And I'll just hop on that point that you just said. I think good leverage this week is paying up to Mark Andrews, whose pricing to me is just a little bit too low. Like, I don't know why Travis Kelsey was pushing 8K last week and Andrews is 7-1 this week when Andrews has been the superior tight end from a fantasy perspective, you know, dating back to the end of last season and has a nice head start towards being the tight end one overall again for the second straight year. He's a legit wide receiver one disguised as a tight end, right? Like he'd be the wide receiver six overall in PPR right now if he was a wide receiver. He's got 22.6 points per game in PPR, which would equate to being the RB1 overall. Uh, same exact points per game average as Saquon Barkley. 7,100 in this game environment and at a position where people just don't want to pay up on DraftKings makes a lot of sense to go up to Andrews once again, I think. Yeah, I mean, Mark Andrews is first in the NFL on target share out of every player, if you didn't know that. He's averaging 10.3 targets per game, 22 catches on the season with three touchdowns. You know, he's utilized in the red zone. He's the number one option in this Ravens passing game in one of the highest total games on the slate. Obviously, it feels disgusting paying 7,100 for a tight end, but the Lamar Mark Andrews stack has won people hundreds of thousands of dollars two weeks in a row, so I think he's probably Probably a good play. Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think so. Leverage wise, what's standing out to you this week? From a leverage perspective, I mean, just fade the fucking running backs, dude. Yeah. That's it. That's all you have to do. If you want max leverage on the field, just fade these running backs that have a lot of risk involved. The floors can be very shaky. The ceilings, in my opinion, are very limited on Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert and Damian Pierce. You know, you're betting on them to score touchdowns on terrible teams. Maybe not so much the Lions, but they could be bad this week with all of their injuries. Bears, obviously one of the worst teams in the league. Houston, one of the worst teams in the league. And you're betting on them to score touchdowns pretty much to, to win you tournaments. Not great. Are people, not great. Are people going to even think about that simple fact? They're not because these will be the highest owned RBs on the slate. So uh, I don't know. It just feels like a great week to get off plates like that. Yeah. And I already referenced some of the running backs that I like in that range. You know, you can you can go with Singletary. Uh, I know you have a running back that you want to tell in that range, so I'll leave that to you. You can go with James Conner, James Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Javante Williams, who I personally like. If you want to pay down a little bit, you know, you have your Brees Hall at 5,400, who quietly has 21 targets on the year. Yeah. Obviously, the ceiling might be capped splitting with Michael Carter, and they're on the road in Pittsburgh, but he's only 5,400. No, you have your Ramondre Stevenson, your Rashad Penny, cheap. So I just like getting off those you know, fragile chalk running backs and just going to other fragile non-chalk running backs is how I would describe it. Yeah, because I mean, this year, the entire position is extremely fragile. This is a stat per establish the run, want to give them credit, but the top 12 running backs in fantasy right now through three weeks have combined for 112 less fantasy points than what the average top 12 running backs have produced in the first three weeks of a season over the past five seasons. So this year is just abysmally bad for the running back position and I think leaning into that as a trend and something that we could see continue just with the way that the position is utilized across the league right now is something that we can be ahead of the field on before everybody catches up. I think it's also a lot of it has to do with like 
team environments as well. Like a lot of these top running backs are just on bad teams too. Yeah, that's fair. You know, CMC's on a bad Panthers team. Saquon is on a bad Giants team. Although Saquon is the RB1 overall, he's been good. There's still risk every single week with that offense just falling on his face. Derrick Henry is on a bad team. I know that he had a good game, whatever, but he was bad to start the first two weeks. Najee Harris is on a bad team, has kind of underperformed relative to his best ball ADP. He's only 6,700. I don't mind that. I think he is due for a nice pop game and it's a good spot against the Jets. You know, we saw Nick Chubb kind of a similar player to Najee Harris. Obviously, Nick Chubb is way better, but Najee Harris is more involved in the passing game, has more of a role. 6,700. Don't mind Najee Harris this week at home against the Jets. I I think he is due for, you know, a 22-24 DraftKings week here coming up. So that's my tournament play at, at running back if I had to pick one. Najee Harris this week is going for 20 plus uh, DraftKings points. Yeah, I I actually like that quite a bit. Najee is somebody who is on my radar. I really do think that the Steelers absolutely roll in this game and I just wonder if if, can Najee get there when the Steelers DST scores twice at 3,600 and breaks the slate (laughs) in Zach Wilson's return. That's the only question I have. That's that's a good defense call because Zach Wilson is god awful. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, terrible. Clear cut down uh, downgrade from Joe Flacco, but that's uh, that's where the Jets are at these days. I'll tout one running back at the high end as a leverage play, and that's Jonathan Taylor, who I think is set up really, really well in this spot. Taylor's been somewhat disappointing to start the season. You know, he came out on fire in week one with 175 yards from scrimmage, uh, but he's put up less than 20 fantasy points over the past two weeks combined. He's averaging nearly seven points less per game than he did compared to his 2021 average, something that I think you were on a lot in the offseason just talking about how many touchdowns he had to get to average a relatively low number for an RB1 overall. So some regression with JT I think was expected, but that doesn't take away from what he can do in a single week. And in a single week, I still believe that this Titans team is extremely bad, like one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor still has absolutely elite usage. His share of team's rush attempts is actually 12% higher than it was last season. His target share 11% this season is higher than it was last year. So the usage is there. The talent is obviously there. And I could see the Colts continuing to build on the momentum as they escape the cold grips of death from Kansas City last week. I think that, you know, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, I trust more to keep things going than the Tennessee Titans. So I like JT uh, for a massive pop-off spot at 8,800. And I don't think that his ownership really even has the possibility to get steamed just because of people and the way that they want to prioritize guys like Diggs and Brown this week at the high end. Yeah. Does it concern you that he just missed his first ever practice in the NFL? I was not aware of that. What is the, uh, what's the diagnosis there? His toe. His toe. He hurt his fucking big toe. Bro, he's fine. He probably just stubbed it. He's Gucci. He's going to roll 30 plus on DK. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's going to play per uh, Tom Pelissero. They said he's going to be ready to go, but he did miss practice. I don't mind JT, and that is kind of a a leverage build this week is, once again, paying up to these high-priced running backs because I don't think a ton of people are going to do that. So flipping the build once again this week seems like a viable strategy on DK. And I, I think that these top running backs are kind of due for some, you know, major pop-off games uh, here coming up in, in the in the coming weeks. So definitely be on the lookout for that. I wouldn't be surprised J, if JT puts up a 35 spot in, in one of these next few games. Yep. And I, and I was fully ready to come in here and tout CMC as well, coming off of a 25 touch four target game. 
just another player I think is due for some positive regression, but he missed practice on Wednesday as well and does not appear to be fully healthy, also in a worse offense than JT. So I I don't know about CMC. Check with me on Saturday on my thoughts (laughs) there. In terms of stacks, we've pretty much hammered that all the way out. You know, it's Bills, it's Baltimore, it's Philly, and then maybe a little bit of Chargers sprinkled in. Nothing else really too interesting to me. Are there any other stacks you want to tout while we're here? I mean, if I'm looking at these matchups, like, I'm not stacking any of these fucking teams, dude. <laughs> no cap. That's what I'm saying, man. I'm not stacking I'm not stacking the Packers. I'm not stacking the Patriots with fucking Brian Hoyer at quarterback. I'm not stacking the Browns or the Falcons. I'm not stacking the Broncos or the Raiders. I think that is the sneaky shootout game, though, if I had to pick one. Mm. would be that Raiders-Broncos game at a 45.5 total right now. It has been bet down half a point, but nonetheless, I think if there is one game that nobody's on that you could potentially game stack that has good pieces in it would be that Raiders-Broncos game, so that is my call for this week. That game could see 50-plus total points, depending, obviously, if... Russell Wilson and the Broncos can actually score the fucking football. We'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, nonetheless, I mean, you got like, I'm not stacking the Steelers or the Jets or the Cowboys or Washington or the Panthers. Yeah, no. I'll just stick with the good stacks on this lane and play a bunch of one-offs, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds like the way to go. And we can talk about our long shots here. And one of mine comes from the game you just mentioned. Now, early ownership projections have Cortland Sutton as maybe like like low end secondary chalk yeah but like to me i kind of don't buy that Mm -hmm. i I don't think that he's going to be as popular as the early ownership projections are making him out to be especially if we get value guys that open up later throughout the week and sort of make guys like you know Diggs and aj brown more accessible i think that'll drive more ownership to those guys and just sort of consolidate around the guys that we've already talked about like cd lamb and the others so i can see Cortland sutton's ownership projection coming a little bit down throughout the week and to be honest he's had some of the most insane usage of any wide receiver in the league and I think that he is probably the single best bounce back candidate that you could buy at the wide receiver position in week four he's second in the league in terms of air yards behind Chris Olave and if you look at just the wide receivers on this slate right on this main slate on DraftKings Sutton is 11th in fantasy points per game and he's the only wide receiver in the top 17 who has done that without scoring a touchdown this season he has the 10th most red zone targets in the league through three weeks and he's the only player in the top 20 who hasn't capitalized on a score yet obviously a lot of that is due to the struggles that Russell Wilson and this Broncos offense has had being able to score but if we trust that Russell Wilson is still a good quarterback somewhere deep down and we definitely trust that Cortland Sutton is getting utilized like a legit wide receiver one I think that he's definitely worth a shot in this spot at 6400 yeah I definitely agree I definitely like Cortland Sutton this week um like like I said I think that is a sneaky shootout game you can correlate him with a bunch of Raiders guys like Devontae Adams, who should come in relatively under own. You know, you have Darren Waller at 5,600. I don't think anybody is going to play Darren Waller this week. So even if you don't want to full-on game stack this, you have a lot of secondary correlations that you could run with Cortland Sutton. So I definitely don't mind that at all. I think my favorite long shot this week, Rashad Penny once again mm. at 5%. On the road against Detroit. He saw opportunity last week. He had, what, 15 plus touches in that game. 15 touches exactly. Only put up 7.9 points. So, relatively underwhelming game for Rashad Penny. 
but I know in my fucking mind, in my heart, that Rashad Penny has slate-breaking potential. He just needs the opportunity. And I think in this spot against the banged-up Detroit Lions offense, I think Seattle is definitely very live to win this game. In a dome, good matchup. Just just give him 20 touches, please. Just, just Seattle, if you're listening to this, just give him 20 touches and let Rashad Penny break the Week 4 slate at 4,900. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that would be fun. I wish it would have happened last week when I played him. I don't know how much I want to go back to it this week, but, you know, you make some good points, and I'm definitely in on Detroit having a major letdown game this week, which would set up well for Rashad Penny indoors. You know, I think that yeah, that could be Yeah, they're 27th in rushing yards allowed to start the year, giving up over 140 per game. Like, they, they, get, they get bullied on the ground. They do. But apparently... Pete Carroll wants to let Geno Smith rip it as if he's fucking Patrick Mahomes, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to come to an end, hopefully, sooner rather than later. Also worth noting that Travis Homer was put on IR today, yeah. so maybe that consolidates the rush attempts and, and the rushing share for Rashad Penny in a positive way as well. Can close out, I have one more long shot that I want to fire off there. This is my favorite running back play in the mid-range. You know, we've talked about how we're going to fade Jamal Williams in tournaments, how we're going to fade Khalil Herbert and Damian Pierce in tournaments, how that range is just so susceptible to failure with the chalky options being on bad offenses. Well, I really like AJ Dillon this week at 6K. I think that he plays perfectly into the trends that we've been seeing and, you know, slate breaking running backs coming from this position and just the overall disappointment of the position being able to get matched by guys who may be in timeshares. And yeah, you know, AJ Dillon is in a timeshare. His workload has basically been split 50-50 with Aaron Jones up to this point. Aaron Jones, 32 attempts, AJ Dillon, 40 attempts. Aaron Jones, nine catches. AJ Dillon, eight catches. Their opportunities are almost one for one, and you're getting a $1,500 discount to go down to Dillon in a home game where the Packers are 10-point home favorites against a Mac Jones-less Patriots offense. Joey, I'm sorry, but the Patriots <laughs> are going to get absolutely fucking smoked in this spot, and AJ Dillon has two touchdown upside every time that he touches the field. I think he's a really strong pivot just from a price range perspective and sort of buying into the trends that we want to buy into early at the running back position on DraftKings for tournaments. Yeah, I definitely don't mind AJ Dillon. Um, definitely a late swap option as well for the 4 p.m. games, especially if you're down, you could swap to AJ Dillon. You know, like you said, he's seen more touches than Aaron Jones to start the year through three weeks and nobody's going to play him. He's 1% owned at 6K. He fits, you know, the, the perfect tournament winning strategy this year in terms of paying down at running back. And he has two touchdown upside in the spot. Um, and, and the Patriots defense isn't anything great in my opinion at least so I, I don't I don't mind AJ Dillon for sure obviously it's just disgusting playing you know a timeshare running back on DK but with the state of the running back position I mean he makes a ton of sense to me at least yeah that's that's really what it's about it's it's a thin play and maybe not even a play that we would make in years past but we have to be you know forward thinking and this is what's working right now and I don't necessarily see too many reasons to believe that it won't continue to work so i'm willing to make these plays at the time being it's always a fluid game anything else that you want to touch on for this week four slate before we hop on out of here no i think i think we covered pretty much everything with the slate and you know like you said before make sure you tune into the saturday night live stream at 10 o'clock eastern on the dose media network youtube channel 
Yep, absolutely on our way to 500 subscribers. It would help us out a lot if you helped us reach that point. And that is going to be it for episode 251 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at DoseMediaNet as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what is going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat, which you can find in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.